Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service.
church family, today we have the honor of dedicating some babies and some little ones back to the Lord. So if your family is pre-registered for this, please come down and join our prayer counselors in the front. This is such a beautiful moment that we get to celebrate. How many of you at one point or another dedicated to the Lord your own child or a grandchild? You got to kind of celebrate this. So as we go through this moment, think back to that moment in your life. And let it be like, you know how when you go to a wedding with your spouse and it, they, they say the vows and then your heart gets all stirred and you're like all in love with your spouse even more, it's romantic because it reminds you of that moment. As a parent, when these families are dedicating their babies to the Lord, let your mind go back. Be reminded of your own time when you chose to make this same parent commitment that you chose to dedicate. Remember the promises you made to God um, when your baby was cute and little and rolled their eyes a whole lot less and, and renew those promises between you and the Lord during this time. This is such a special time. We're so excited to get to celebrate this with you. The idea here is that parents are committing, they're promising that they're gonna do their best to raise their children to love and serve Jesus. They're making a commitment saying, we're gonna have our kids in church. We're gonna make sure they have access to good Bible teaching. We're gonna read the Bible to them. We're gonna pray with them and pray for them and we're gonna teach them to pray. So as the parents are committing to that, God is also making, um, we're, we're asking him to partner with us. We're saying, please give us wisdom to do this well. Please give us the insight we need. Please keep the wrong people away from our kids and bring the right people into their lives. We're asking for his protection and we're believing that he's partnering with us and with each of these families as we pray this. So thank you for joining us this morning. I'd like to pray a blessing over each family right now. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these precious families that has come here that are saying that they want to partner with you in the raising of their children. We recognize that every child is a precious gift from you. And we're so blessed to have them. And God, we ask that you would cause these children um, to grow up, to love and serve you, serve you all of the days of their lives. That they would be worshipers, that they would learn to pray, that they would fall in love with the word, that they would desire to be in your house. And God, we ask that you would keep the wrong people away from them. Bring the right people in the right seasons, the right teachers, the right coaches, the right friends into their lives, God. And we ask that you would bless their future spouse, that you would begin preparing that person and protecting them as well. We ask that you would impart to these parents incredible wisdom, insight, strength, patience, Lord, all the things that we need to grow our sons and daughters. And we pray that these parents would sense you partnering alongside them and protecting them. And we dedicate these children to you. We love you, Jesus. We want to raise them to honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. The prayer houses are going to continue to pray and minister, and we, church family, are going to continue to worship.
before, how many times God pursued you, how he continues to pursue you. Think back over your life. You think about the times maybe you were running from the Lord or just not making the best choices. Maybe there was a season where you just flat rejected God. He never stopped pursuing you. He never stopped. He'll leave the one or leave the many for the one. That's how much he loves you. And he's never gonna stop. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you did last night. He still loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you just the way you are. God, we praise you for that. We don't deserve it. But you will pursue us. Climb mountains, you'll kick down walls, you'll you'll do whatever it takes, God, because you love us. Thank you for that. Holy Spirit, allow us to feel that this morning. Sometimes we just allow the world to get in the way, and sometimes we just don't feel your love. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would you would just penetrate that whatever's blocking that in our lives. We'd feel your presence, we'd feel your love, we feel your touch. We would have that intimate relationship. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for how awesome you are. We thank you for wanting to have a relationship with us. We thank you for never giving up on us. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good, isn't he? So good. All right, guys, as you make your way back to your seats, as you do, thank you so much for coming to Fellowship Church this morning. Whether you're in person or you're watching with us on, uh, online, we so appreciate you being a part of our church family. And we are so blessed here at Fellowship. God is doing so many really cool things, and we're so happy you're a part of it. Now, if you are visiting, whether you are online or you're here in the services today, we'd love to have a record of you being here. We'd also love to be able to invite you to an upcoming guest reception. So if you will text the word fellowship to 94,000, and we'll bring you over to a link that will get you some more information about the church. You also, uh, if you're here with us in person today and you're visiting, you can also always swing by the information counter. If you do fill out a visitor's card with us, we'll give you a free specialty drink to all of those that are in your visiting party as a gift from us to you. But other than that, just make yourself at home. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Fellowship Church family. Well, we're going to continue to worship now with the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you come prepared to give back today. Uh, we've just worshiped him with music and with singing. Now we're going to worship him with giving. And so as you get ready to give back, know that there's all kinds of ways you can give here at Fellowship. Uh, if you want to know about any of those ways, you can scan the little IQ, uh, QR code on the screen. Uh, there's also boxes, uh, offering boxes that are in the lobby. But as you get ready to give this morning, let me just say a prayer, a blessing over you. Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us and you've always taken care of us financially and blessed us in ways that we can't even imagine. And I pray now, Lord, that as we give back to you, that you would just open up the windows of heaven for us you would come through for us financially like never before. Thank you, Lord, that our finances, when we trust in you, are not based on the world's economy or the world's riches, but according to your glorious riches, God. Thank you for always coming through for us. And I ask now that you would just bless as we give back to you like only you can. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you as you give. Uh, we got some really cool stuff coming up here at Fellowship, some great ways for you to get connected and involved. And here's a few of those ways. There are so many ways to serve here at Fellowship Church, and right now we're looking for ushers and greeters. These are the lovely faces that you see every Sunday who make us all feel at home. They represent Jesus so well, and we would love to add to our team. 4640 is headed to Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park on October 13th. Anyone 6th through 12th grade is welcome. The cost is $60, and that covers your transportation to and from the park, admission, lunch, and an unforgettable action-packed day with your 4640 family. Sign up right now. Emotionally healthy spirituality is still getting together, and it's not too late to join. I know that those are a lot of big words, but if you're looking to take your relationship with God to another level while still growing emotionally, this is it. Our staff has been working through this material and has personally changed my walk with God. 
I've never felt closer to him and more confident in his leading and his voice. This is also a perfect opportunity to join a life group and work through this content together or take your existing group through this amazing material. You won't regret growing healthy, emotionally, and deeper with God and our community. Young Adults starts next week on September 25th. Sign up on the Church Center app and $25 is all that it costs to cover large group activities and emotionally healthy spirituality. That's the curriculum that you'll be going through as well. Listen, being a young adult can be really challenging. It feels like the world is ahead of you, but how do you even begin? How do you make relationships? How do you adult? How do you decide on college classes or a vocation? How do you make sure that you're going down the right path that is the beginning of the rest of your life? Take heart because God has a plan for you. And it's a really good plan. And there's a hope and a future for you. He has created you to be a masterpiece and you are the only one that can do what he's called you to. When you surround yourself with other Jesus lovers and are following after him, that community is a beautiful place to grow into what the rest of your life is gonna be. Join our young adults and together grow in full devotion to Jesus. Community is huge. I hope you enjoyed Pastor Tim's message last week about the importance of coming together. And if it's your first time back, we are so glad that you are here. Enjoy part two of I'm In. Last week, Pastor Tim kicked off the new series called I'm In, where we're talking about community, and it's our hope and our prayer that as a community and a church body, we can say that we're in. We're in when it comes to that. Now, I love how I put it. From the beginning, Fellowship Church's whole mission has been to connect the unconnected to Jesus and together grow in full devotion to Him. And honestly, growing and in full devotion has to be around other people within some type of community. I can't imagine what full devotion looks like isolated and alone. And, and Pastor Tim talked about the, the benefits of friendship and the dangers of isolation last week. And community is what we are after in this series. Now, community is something for me I've had to kind of work toward in my life. I grew up as an only child. And so, and a lot of the stereotypes around only children, I don't think I fit all of them because my parents definitely instilled a work ethic in me as well as like made me earn stuff and everything like that. I wasn't just given everything, but I did work the system a little bit. When I was, when I was growing up, my mom, her whole side of the family is Jewish and my dad's entire side of the family is Baptist. And so there was, I think they only let this slide one year, but for one year, I got both Hanukkah and Christmas presents. It was nice. It was nice. And presents are, you know, so-so for only children because you only can enjoy a walkie-talkie so much as an only child, just out there alone in the yard with my walkie-talkies. But community is something I definitely tried to build around me as I grew up, especially in middle school and high school. I really tried to surround myself with some friends, and these friends honestly were much more a family than they were just friends. I remember one summer we wanted to go tubing down the river, and I grew up in Eagle and Gypsum. So the Eagle River flows through Gypsum, and this happened in late summer, my eighth grade year. And we would just walk up about a mile upstream, get in the water, and then, you know, raft or float down until the campsites at the end of Gypsum. And this particular trip, a bunch of us were going, and a lot of, our close, a lot of my close friends, but me and my friend Ivor, we didn't have a tube to, to raft down, to, to float the river. And so middle, my middle schooler brain, I had an epiphany moment. I was like, wait, my dad has an old air mattress in the garage, and they're renowned for holding air. Am I right? Now, th this particular air mattress, honestly, I've never seen anything like it since. It, it, it came with an internal foot pump in the mattress. So you put the whole mattress down and you just go, ch -ch -ch -ch, and the whole thing pumps up. So I'm thinking, I have now a watercraft with a pump. Like, what can go wrong? So, so me and my buddy Ivor, we're like, at this point, we're like, can we fish from this? Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And so we get in the water, and I'm talking seconds after we finally got onto the mattress. It's impossible to steer an air mattress on the river. Impossible. We very quickly realized all we could do is just drift. We could just drift along, and we hit every branch and rock and embankment we possibly could, all the while 
our, our friends are just like, with just a few strokes of their arms, missing this branch or missing that rock. And as we continued to, to go down the river, they just kept disappearing. And in laughter, I remember they're disappearing around the bend and they were just laughing at us because all we can do is drift along. And I sit up and I realize that our watercraft now resembles much more of a taco than it does any type of, you know, raft at all. And so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, now it's fine. It's pump time. We're going we're gonna to get this back. We're going to catch up with everybody else. And I get out and I'm trying to pump the, the pump with my hands because I'm floating down the river at the same time. And nothing was working. It ended up, we landed on someone's backyard with a completely flat air mattress and deflated dreams with it as we had to jump someone's like backyard fence because we were just in the middle of town. And we had to just drag our air mattress back, back home. Everybody else just kept on going and enjoying their time. The truth is we could never keep up with them. Even if it kept air in it, we were drifting into everything. And the truth is if we just drift through this life, through the world, through this culture, I think that we will continually drift toward isolation. Because I think that's what the world's after. If God created us for connection, but we will drift toward isolation. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning in regards to community. How can we fight the drift? I want to give you three ways that we can fight the drift this morning as the world, because no matter what happens, if we just do nothing, if we don't do anything, you will probably end up by yourself with Netflix at the end of the day. How can we fight that? How can we fight the drift toward isolation, especially in a world that pulls us toward isolation? The first step is just to get vertical. We gotta get vertical. And what I mean by that is seeking God first and not just other people when we're talking about community. Now, when you hear most messages around community and around small groups or anything like that, you generally see a passage out of the early church describing what community looks like because these are the people that walked with Jesus here on earth. Like they, they were the people that, that walked with him. And right after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, we see a description of the community of believers that were with Jesus here on earth and what that community looked like. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's take a look at it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, sharing everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met at homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now we see right here a great definition of what community looks like. And honestly, I think that heaven's gonna look like that type of a community where people are sharing together. They're, they're, they're sharing not only their, their resources, but just their meals, their time. They're praying together. They're going to the temple to receive teaching, but also just, just living life together. And that's why our small group ministry here at Fellowship, we call it life groups because that's, the easiest definition we could come up with is just like people that live life together. But we, we see descriptions like this in, in Scripture. And we go, well, okay, that, that's what God wants community to be. Well, then we see that. So go forth and do, do that. Be the community that you read about. And it's kind of tough. It's tough to do that. And honestly, I don't think it's fair to take that passage out of Acts and not address what happened earlier in the chapter, earlier in the book. See, the beginning of Acts, Jesus comes and he appears to his followers. So he already died, he rose again, and then he appears to his followers. And he says, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the promise the Father's gonna give. And then the beginning of Acts chapter two, we see another gathering. So Acts chapter two, verse one, 41 verses before the description, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So we see another gathering. But this gathering isn't like any other gathering because now that gift that the Father is going to give, it comes down on these people. So this is called the, what the upper room is. So as these people are gathering together to receive this gift from the Father, the Holy Spirit, God's own Spirit, is poured out on these people. And then as they are filled up with the Holy Spirit, they, they start to see the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And this spurs on questions from the crowd outside. And then Peter gets up and he preaches a sermon. And then 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus that day and are baptized. And then we see, 
then we see this community. The description of what heaven could look like with, with uh, people around you that are not only sharing things and, and, and enjoying teaching, but sharing meals and all this stuff. But the, the common denominator isn't other people. The common denominator is God. See, we get vertical and, and we say, God, fill me up. Holy Spirit, fill me up to overflowing. And if you chase after God, even in the midst of community, you will find him. Because the truth is, we're, we're looking for Jesus and other people, right? We're looking for, the, for, for that, that byproduct of the Holy Spirit living in us is that community. And it's interesting, we, we see one of the, I mean, we see all of our ministries in different communities around our church, but Rooted is one of those courses that's like centered on God and you have a group of people around the same age and stage of life as yourself and you're just all heading in the same direction. You just are. And in that course, you learn more about not only who God is and how the Bible's set up, but like how God speaks and how maybe he speaks to you. And then what are the strongholds that he wants to obliterate in your life so that you can get closer to him and closer to other people. And as a group of people that are centered on just following God and getting vertical, you start to grow closer together. And it's not because the other people in the room, it's because Jesus in the room. So the first step, the first way to fight the drift is to get vertical. Get vertical and understand that God is who we're after in this idea of community, not just other people. So that's the first way, get vertical. The second way that we can fight the drift is to know your value. Know your value. Now value is a little bit of an interesting thing. In our like day and age of culture, generally it's like how much money something's worth that determines its value. But there are other factors like sentimental value or like even tradition can play a part in it. I remember when I was young and in love, well, I'm still in love, but when I was younger, I was dating my bride-to-be right over there. She's awesome. And her name is Robin. And I was, I was dating her and I wanted to do it right. And so I was like, I'm gonna get an engagement ring because I know she's, she's the woman I'm going to marry. And so I, I leaned on that thing I think j just jewelry companies made up that you're supposed to have three months salary, right? To you to put toward a ring. I don't think they were after me at this point in time. I was a sandwich artist at Jimmy John's, okay? <laughs> sandwich artist, mind you. I don't think they were after my three-month salary. <laughs> and when I took my three-month arti sandwich artist salary to Zales, it didn't put a ton of rings on the table, let's be honest. It didn't. But I fought for that deal. I, it was days after Labor Day, and I got the Labor Day sale still. I did. Because that ring meant something more to me than just the money that, it, that I, I used to pay for it. That ring was gonna be on my bride's finger. That was something way more significant. See, the kingdom of God has value in it too, but it doesn't come in the form of rings or money. It comes in the form of people. People carry value in the kingdom of God. So much so that we, we sing songs like Reckless Love and like Pastor Tim was talking about where Jesus shares a parable about a, a shepherd who had 100 sheep and lost one. He still had 99, but he left the 99 to chase after the one sheep. Think of it like this. I have this water bottle. Everybody on earth has a water bottle like this, I'm assuming at some level. I have 100 of them, but I lose one. No big deal. I got 99, right? Well, I got two kids. If I lose one, it's okay. I got Ruby still. That's no big deal. <laughs> Liam's probably the one we would lose at this point in his journey. But of course not. I'm not going to do that. My kids are uniquely valuable to me because they're them. There's nothing they can do or not do that's going to change the value in a father's heart, a mother's heart for them. The same thing's for you. You're God's kids. He made you. And because of that, you hold incredible value in the kingdom of God. Incredible value in the kingdom of God. So much so that he would send his own son to die for you. That's significant. You hold incredible, incredible value when it comes to that. And I think the reason that this message can be hard for us to believe that we hold value is we can look at everybody else and we can be like, wow, they pray really good prayers. And I don't pray prayers like that. Or they can quote scripture in their prayers and I can't even quote scripture in general. Or they know the words to all these songs and I don't know the words to the songs at all. I always see them reading the Bible at Starbucks and I'm just on my fifth mocha, you know, and I, I don't know. How am I supposed to com compete with all of the spirituality that's around me? And, I, and we see all this. We see all this. And I think there's a lie that the drift tries to keep creep into us. 
there's a lie the enemy tries to sow us and it goes something like this. If I weren't here, then it really wouldn't matter that much. You ever felt something like that before? Felt nameless, faceless? If I weren't here, it really wouldn't matter that much. The truth is that is a bold-faced lie. Our prayer is that you would see that you are valuable to God. You are uniquely prepared with passions, with talents, with divine gifts. When God created you, he put this moment in history in mind that you were created for this time to be able to glorify him. You have incredible value when it comes to the kingdom of God. Incredible value. When the apostle Paul was talking about this type of community and what it could look like he, to the Corinthians church, he used a metaphor and he said this in 1 Corinthians 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. All right, so we have ears, nose, mouth, like elbows, knees, all that. We have all the different body parts, of course, but all of them together are one body. So you individually are something, but when you are added to something greater. Not only do you carry value, but now you become a whole new thing in general. Think of it like this. If you maybe are a baseball, or you play baseball, you probably would consider yourself a baseball player. But if you make it to the big leagues, now you're in a different ballgame. Because now you're not, you're not just a baseball player anymore. Now you're a Rocky or a Yankee. So you've, you've joined into something and you almost take on a greater identity. And so it is with the body of Christ as well. See, what do you call a person that's submitted under the lordship of Christ and, and, and empowered by his spirit to change the world? You maybe call that person like a, maybe a Christian or a disciple, follower of Christ. But what do you call a group of people submitted under the lordship of Christ, empowered by his spirit to make a difference in the world? You might call that the church or as Paul calls it, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. You see how you, you carry so much value just as a child of God. But when you step into a community, you now take on a greater identity. You are not just you anymore. You are now a part and a member of the body of Christ. That means you become, you become the, the, the hands of God when, when you serve people in his name. You become his feet when you take the gospel to places it's never been. You become his mouth when you lift others up. You become his heart when you express love to those in, in need or, or, or those that are far from God. You have incredible value, incredible value. And anytime the enemy tells you something else, you can stand there and you can lean on the promises in the word of God. And you can say, not me. I have value. I am a chosen, powerful, strong, unique person that God made. I am his child and I am empowered by his spirit to make a difference, to love others. That's right. That's who you are. And do you see how once you start to catch your value, why on earth would I waste it in isolation? If I have something to give, oh, that means that then I have, I have something to do. I have, something, I have somewhere to go. I have, I have places to see. I have things to do. When you believe that your true value is from God, you have something else to give. And that, that's a way to fight the drift toward isolation. Because why would I just leave that in isolation when I have so much to be able to give? And that's from the word of God. And so, ways that we fight that drift. We first, we get vertical. We seek him and then we start to hear from him and he tells us our value. And then we risk it. We risk it. And it can be tough. It can be, it can be risky to risk it, can it? Especially when you're talking about community. I remember when I was in elementary school and this was a time I had like, I had no friends. This was a, probably one of the harder times in my life. In elementary school, I didn't have any friends. And I remember in second grade year, I was sitting at lunch and I legitimately, like a whole table was just me. And everybody else was there. I had a whole table. It was just me. I didn't have any friends. And I was just sitting there eating my lunch. And this kid comes up to me and he, and he puts his arm around me. And he goes, he goes, hey, Will, how you doing? I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, like someone's talking to me. Like, what do I say? Uh, do, you want me, do you want to be my best friend? <laughs> like, what do I do? What do I do with my hands? Like, I, I didn't know what to do. So 
in that moment, I was like, well, he's being so nice to me. I want to be nice to him too. And I risked it. And I, and I, and I gave him a, a, some of my lunch. I was like, here, here, have some of my lunch. He goes, oh, thanks. And, you know, and he goes back and sits with his friends. And I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, what just happened? Just make a friend? And then right after that, the janitor of the school comes up and just kicks me. I'm like, what, what's going on? The kid put, me a, put a kick me sign on my back who the janitor took advantage of at first. It was traumatic. Honestly, I'm working through it right now with you. Thank you. It was a little traumatic. But what I want to say here is when you're risking it in this idea of, of community, especially a God-centered community, what if I told you even if you risked it and it didn't work out the way you thought it would, you still get closer to God? Because I see this in, in a scripture that when I was remi- thinking about all the different people in scripture that, that risked it and stepped out in faith, I was reminded of Peter stepping out of the boat in the storm to walk on water. And for those of you that don't know it, I'll summarize it for you. All the disciples are in this boat in the middle of the sea and there's this storm that's raging. And they're like, I don't know what they're going to do. They think they might die. And then Jesus comes walking on the water toward them and it freaks them out. Like they, they are like, it's a ghost. We're all going to die. And then Peter in the boat... <laughs> calls out to Jesus, says, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And I think that's awesome. Because one of the first things Jesus ever said to Peter was, come, follow me. So Peter knows if it's Jesus, I'll know it's him if he says it. And sure enough, Jesus says, well, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat in the middle of a storm and starts walking on the water toward Jesus. And then the wind and the waves start to take Peter's attention away. And as he sees that, he starts to be afraid. And then he starts sinking. And when he, when he starts sinking, he reaches out and Jesus reaches down and saves Peter. And he says to Peter, he's like, why, don't you ha- why do you have so little faith? And then they all get in the boat and then it says the disciples were in awe. It's a lot in a story. And a lot of us can look at that and we can go, Man, Peter was afraid. He was afraid. He, he, he failed. He sank. First of all, two things. First of all, we move really quickly past the fact that Peter walked on water. He walked on water. Who of you walked on water? If you have, I would want to hear the story after service. Write us. But he walked on water. I don't really see that as a, as a 100% fail at all. But two... Peter was the closest disciple to the presence of God in that story. Peter was. All the other disciples were still in the boat, but even in Peter's failure, he was closer to the presence of God than anyone else in that moment. What if you risked it and stepped out in community and you still found Jesus? That's win-win. That's win-win. And I think there's so much fear that can kind of take us over, but realize that even if you sink, you'll be closer to him. Even if you sink in risking it, you'll be closer to God. That's win-win. But I promise you, God loves to be found. He's really bad at hide and seek. He's always leaving his leg out behind the couch like you can see him. If you seek God, you will find him. Risk it. And for some of us, risking it can look a little differently. For some of us, risking it looks like talking to the person that you've sat in this room next to or behind or beside for weeks or months. Don't look at him right now. Don't make it weird. But like (laughs) you sat next to him, but you never actually shared your name or heard their story. What if you just risked it and maybe talked in the lobby a little bit after service? For some of us, that's risky. It could be risky to just open up a friendship or maybe a relationship with a neighbor or a coworker just with your faith. Open that relationship to your faith. This is how God worked in my life. I see you're struggling. Like how, how, maybe this could be an answer for you too. A conversation like that feels risky, it does. But I promise you go closer to God if you step into that. For some of us, it, it could be risky thinking about serving and stepping in, into a, a community of other people that are all wanting to pour out and, and give back. But if you do that, you're surrounded by people that are doing the same thing as you. It could be joining a life group. And I think in a lot of ways, joining a life group is with what community looks like in Acts 2 and all that stuff. That's, that's a huge want of ours. And for those of us in the times of my life that I did not have that, I wasn't going down a good path. Times in my life that I see that I did have it, I was going in a better direction. And when we started drawing close to this life group launch that we're doing right now, like we, we started just asking people their story, like, 
what was your experience? How has life groups helped or, or, or hindered you? Like, what's your story in involving community and how God's done that? And we had some people come in and share. And so especially in regards to risking it, I wanted to share um, this, uh, his, his name is Curtis, his life group story with you today. My name is Curtis Singlehart, and I am in a couples group as well as a men's life group. Our life group started because my wife told me we needed to be in a life group. So, <laughs> like, you know, you know, so any good husband, I said, okay, let's, let's do it. When I joined a life group, I honestly didn't really know I needed a life group. As I joined into one, I really just felt um, almost a peace and, and a joy when we would meet. And to be honest, you know, when, when we first started um, going to a, a life group, I had some of those reservations, but as I've grown into this life group, man, it's just so powerful to sit down with a bunch of like-minded individuals who are really there to encourage you, and it's a genuine encouragement. And so being able just to, to sit down with them on a regular basis and, and lift each other up and help each other through whatever struggles you may be going through, and also just being able to celebrate life together too and, and big accomplishments. And so it's been just, a a huge blessing in my life and my wife's life and um, something that, yes, I didn't know I needed it, but looking back now, I, I don't know what I'd do without it. It's community and it's connecting and it's really that inclusion piece of it, right? Where we're in including others and bringing others in and really trying to build each other up collectively as a group. You know, I think as we're all striving for um, just that closeness and intimacy with Jesus and we're all doing that collectively, I think that's so powerful. So. You know, if, if you are thinking about potentially joining a life group, you know, great next steps would be to fill out the, the application um, on the Church Center app. When you do that, the cool thing is, is that Fellowship Church really takes um, care of that heavy lift for you and they help and make sure you're in the right group for your season. Looking back at our experience, starting a life group is much easier than what we made it out to be in our heads. So we prayed for certain individuals and what's crazy is as we reached out to those individuals, they all said, this is just what we need. This is just what we've been praying for. So as someone, again, who really thought that wasn't for me, if you're in that um, season or, or in that mindset, I would say, just take the jump and see where it takes you. And I guarantee you, you'll be, you'll be pleased with, with those results. This is the season. We can clap for him. He's good. He's good. I like that guy. This is a season to join a life group. It hasn't been easier than right now. Like Curtis was talking about on the, on the Church Center app, there's a little tab that says, find a life group. And it looks just like this. Bam. Boom, right there. Find a life group right on the home screen of Church Center. If you do that, and, and you, all you're going to do is you're going to put in, like, your age and stage of life and if you have kids or anything like that, uh, and then a little bit about you, what you're looking for in a group of, of people. And me and my team, we read those, we, we will call you back, and we'll give you a few different options for what life groups could look like for you because we have a lot that are starting right now with Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Rooted. Both of those courses put you... We want to be able to put you in, in a group of people in the same age and stage of life. It doesn't work out every single time, but that's part of that risk. But I guarantee you could find Jesus in the midst of any of those, any of those things. And so if this is something that you feel like this is your next step, to jump into a life group or at least try it out, we want to try and make that as easy as possible. On the east end of our lobby, the pergola over here has emotionally healthy spirituality. And there's people over there that can help answer any questions you have about the course, the materials. And the course is great. Uh, by itself anyway, it's really good. But the groups themselves are starting to pop up. We have new leaders coming uh, and saying, you know, I'll host a group. I'll, I'll do it. I'd love to be able to do this. And we have a lot of groups. So if you have uh, some questions or you want more information or anything like that, head over there for Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. On the other end of the lobby, on the west end, we have Rooted. And if you want to know more about that and have any questions, we have some people over there. If you want to sign up in person, if you're online, you can find all this stuff on the Church Center app and you can see different groups that are going. But but would you, would you risk it and step out into it? Because it's something God's calling us to. And, and maybe even if it's not a life group, but it's something. God's calling us into something greater. He's building something special here. Do you believe that, that he's building something special? Ephesians 2, in the message paraphrase, puts it like this. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. You belong here. Some of you may not believe that right now. But I'm telling you, you do. That no other time in history has had this unique of people meet together to worship God and hear his word. 
that this is unique and specific and special, that you're part of something bigger and greater. You belong here. You do. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. God is building something specific in this church, in this valley, in this community. And brick by brick, stone by stone, he's building it. With you, with me, each of us are a brick in that, are a stone in his great plan to be able to change the world. And it starts with us. It starts with you. Stepping away from where the world and where culture will try and drift us toward isolation and stepping into what God created us for, and that is connection and community. So the truth is, everybody needs God. Everyone does. Everybody needs somebody. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much, God, for the access that you've given us to you. God, thank you for making that available. And so Jesus, right now, we just, we just get vertical and we just say, God, thank you. Fill us up, Holy Spirit, that, that, that we can hear from you. We can see what you're doing in our life as you draw us toward community and draw us ultimately closer to you. And Father, I just pray, God, that the people that, that we all can feel and hear our value from you, just from you. Jesus, Father, that, that you created us for mission, for purpose here. And God, I just pray that you can give us the faith and the strength to risk it when it matters, to know you enough to risk it when it matters. God, we love you. We thank you. So no matter what it looks like to fight that drift this week, I pray you empower our people, empower us to see what you're doing, to hear what you're doing, and follow you. God, we love you and we thank you. In your heavenly name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for spending this morning with us. Enjoy your week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.